Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. And I tell you, have you? It is remarkable. I was just sharing this with someone yesterday. It's remarkable to think that we have reached, what, the eight-month mark? We just eclipsed the eight-month mark. Excuse me of Biden's presidency. And, of course, we know that a presidency, if allowed to run its full term, which some folks are saying there's no way this guy gets there, that's that's 48 months. So we are literally 16.7% of the way through this craziness. By the way, welcome to the program. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Connect with us on our free online conservative, not bitter, not bitter community, community community.ToddHuffShow.com. And we'll be providing some updates on our truth tour and doing some other things there as we begin to uh, get our feet under us as we've made some changes here, uh, beginning the truth tour and so forth. We're working towards those each and every day. I appreciate your patience and I know uh, we were out a little bit longer than we anticipated, but um, now it's it's time to continue to uh, make strides here and continue um, doing some, you know, starting some things that we've uh, planned on doing for some time. So we'll keep you posted on on all of those. So I want to start today. I want to start today by talking about illegal immigration. The Biden administration refuses to call this situation on the southern border um, a crisis and it clearly it clearly is a crisis it is a crisis of massive proportions in fact one could even say the crisis is monumental just like a tony 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 concert is for the mayor of san francisco which allows her to go maskless we talked about this yesterday she thinks that justifies her going maskless even though she Now, I'm not arguing for mask policies. Please don't understand. She's the one that crafted these things. But when you go to a monumental concert, which I'm I'm sure some liberal, some scientist right now looking for some federal funding just had an idea that said, you know what? We can come up with a list of what concerts, which what events, what venues preclude someone from having to wear a mask because it's, of course, monumental. Tony, Tony, Tony concert qualifies according to this radical leftist mayor in San Francisco. Anyway, but this is a massive, massive problem on the southern border. And the the Biden administration doesn't even acknowledge it. By the way, the border czar, who's supposed to be Kamala Harris, she doesn't, I mean, what does she do about the border? I mean, we've got people sleeping under bridges. Thousands, over 10,000 at last. I've heard 10,000, 12,000. I said to someone, if it's 12,000, it's probably 20,000, the way that these numbers are actually calculated. 
by the way, a lot of these folks are Haitian. You might wonder to yourself, because those of you listening to this program have an idea of geography. Some of you might be wondering, how in the world are Haitians coming across the southern border? Haiti is not south of the Texas. It might be south of the Texas, uh, well, the U.S. southern border, but it's much further to the east, right? More, you know, it's closer to, say, Florida, much closer to Florida than it is to Texas, how are these folks crossing the southern border into Texas? So we uh, might get into that for a moment. But the bottom line is the reason they're crossing, period, is because we have an administration that one could say encourages this. One could even make the case desires this, right? I mean, this is – look, we, we have so many things. This is a dumpster fire of massive proportions here when you look at the United States of America and how it is being run today, how it is being led today, it's 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 a ship without a captain. It is a we have no leadership right now. We have nothing but unmitigated uh, unmitigated disaster after unmitigated disaster. And we people know it now. Do you see Biden's latest approval numbers? Let me see if I can pull this up real quick in the stack of stuff. We got Biden's, here it is. Oh, hold on, I closed it out by accident. Biden's latest approval number, if I'm not mistaken here, is 43%. 43%, folks. Biden's approval number and... And perhaps most interestingly, Biden's approval numbers are lower than Kamala Harris. So for the first time, for the first time, I know some of you, maybe many of you, think that Biden may be replaced by Kamala Harris, thinking that somebody's going to declare that Biden violates the 25th Amendment uh, or excuse me, I should say that the 25th Amendment should be enacted because he's not competent. And, you know, you would be correct, at least certainly would have a case to be made um, regarding his competency. That's really not the issue. The, the issue, well, it is the issue, but it's polit- politics is all optics, right? It's, it's what these folks believe that they can get away with and what is in there, the radical left's best interest. And what is in their best interest? Because I've, I've said on this be- program before, they're looking around and they're thinking, well, we can get, we can try to get rid of Biden. He's been an unmitigated disaster. But then, of course, they kind of like some of these things. They like having a porous southern border. They like overwhelming the system of capitalism. These crises put pressure on the country to make massive changes. And when the Democrats and the radical left are in control, Guess what massive changes they are going to propose? Guess what massive changes, fundamental changes they're going to tell us are necessary and, well, just completely, you know, the only way to save America would be to go to more socialistic policies, more solutions, uh, not in the private sector or the business community or the church community or the nonprofit sector. No, no, no. We go instead to the government. Government will solve all of our problems. We'll redistribute wealth. We'll make sure that the people coming across uh, have jobs and the other people in America as well. Of course, they also will create more of a uh, social program to where people won't even need to work jobs because they'll just print more money. 
And if they do decide to work, we'll have a minimum wage that's no longer at $15 an hour. Instead, we'll be at 26 or 36 or 150 Why not? Why not $1,000 an hour? I mean, I'm, I, I'm telling you, these folks exist out there. They're on the periphery, but yet those ideas continue to be absorbed and implemented in some capacity as much as they can get away with by the Democrat Party. So they're happy to see these problems, but when they look at these polling numbers, and here I got the poll pulled up now, for the first time, uh, or this is the lowest, I should say, of Biden's presidency, he's down 13 points since June. Folks, that is three months, 90 days, if you're a radical leftist, socialist who has trouble with math. Since June, three months ago, July, August, September, right, three months ago, Biden's numbers have plummeted 13%. He's got a 43% approval rating, 43%. This, of course, by the president that we're told 80 million people voted for. Now he's got a 43% approval rating. A majority of people now disapproves of Biden's performance. And when you look at the uh, polling per what group of, uh, of of individual, right? We've got Republican. We've got, where did I see that? thought I saw it in this. Maybe I saw it elsewhere. I think Republican support for Biden was 6%. Democrat support of Biden is still at 90%. I would like that 90% to tell me what one thing they are satisfied with. What one thing are they approving of in this administration? I'm, I'm being serious. What one thing? I want to hear what it is because I don't know. The only thing I can conceive of at this particular point in time is that Biden doesn't send out mean tweets. That is all it takes to win the approval of 90% of the Democrat Party. The, the um, uh, independence, boy, where is that? This was broken down. Here it is. I think I went to Gallup. The independent breakdown was something like 40... No, maybe in the 30s. Let me. I'm, I'm digging for this now. 37%. There it is. So all U.S. adults give Biden a 43% approval rating. Now, in fairness, compared to this point in his presidency, in 2017, Donald Trump's presidency, Biden is ahead. Biden is ahead of Donald Trump in all three categories, in his own party and the opposition party. Uh, no, that's not true. 9% of Democrats approved of Trump, only 6% of Republicans. But anyway, Biden is is outperforming Trump. But you got to understand, or we have to acknowledge, the reason that we're starting in the position that we're starting with with Biden to begin with is because he's adored by the media. He's given excuses by the media. He's not attacked by the media. He's not maligned by the media. He's not constantly in the crosshairs of the media. The media is helping him carry the proverbial water in his agenda. I mean, this is an unmitigated disaster, again, from Afghanistan to the southern border to the economy to gas prices to I, – I, I really want to know what one thing do these 90% of Democrats – if you're a Democrat listening, I'd love, I really would love to hear it. What are you approving of? That he's not Trump? I mean, 
we're not talking in comparative. Let's say you hate Trump. I recognize that. I don't even want to talk about Trump. We're talking about Biden. Biden is president right now. What do you approve? What do you approve of that he's actually doing? Because I, the only thing I can think of is that he doesn't send out mean tweets. He sounds, he sounds nice, generally speaking. To I'm talking from the, the leftist perspective. But this idea that he has 90% approval by the Democrats, it just shows, it goes to show that this is, you know, when, when their guy, and Republicans do this too, but when the, the person in power represents, you know, the person being polled, or it's their guy, it's someone from their team, their political party, they're going to say, yeah, we approve of this guy. Now, only 80, 80% of Republicans approved of Trump at this point in his administration. But that number rose. Biden's number is dropping. I think, I think he started out with a 98% approval rating among Democrats. But now Kamala, her approval rating is at 49%. That can't be based upon what she's allowing to happen at the southern border. Now, when you look at the rank and file of Democrats, I know that the Democratic Party and the party leaders will love to allow this crisis to go haywire because, A, they look at a lot of these folks as potential future voters. B, when there's a crisis, it allows the government and the party of power, party in power, to step in to provide some sort of solution, which, of course, will require more taxes, more power to the state, less liberty, and if they can somehow work it out, less of a chance of Republicans winning elections. And plus their laundry list of other policy and agenda items that they want to see forced through. But this is a, a massive dumpster fire on all levels. Biden is tanking. And Kamala, again, she's still not great. In fact, the more... I firmly believe this. The more people see and hear Kamala Harris, the less they're going to like her. I find her to be one of the most unlikable politicians in modern history. I mean, I think her and Hillary Clinton may be uh, tied or right there running neck and neck for the most unlikable of politicians. But for the first time, they may have legitimate discussions behind closed doors as to whether or not it's time to begin, time to begin the process of moving from Biden to Kamala. I'm not predicting that's ever going to happen. I'm just telling you those conversations, have no doubt, are absolutely, unequivocally, positively happening. The big money running the Democrat Party, the power brokers, some of which we know by name, others a lot of people don't know, those folks are having those conversations. And when Biden's approval is at 43 and Kamala's at 49, you know that they're having that discussion. Is it, is it time to stop protecting Biden? Because at some point, at some point, it is impossible to protect. I saw, I saw sound bites. It was a minute and a half, roughly. I'm not going to play it on here. But I saw outtakes. I get like outtakes or just things he said during his speech before the UN. And the guy stumbles all over himself. Now, there wasn't a massive uh, mistake or a complete brain freeze. At least that I saw. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw clips and I saw this set of sound bites. 
But the guy makes a lot of mistakes. If Trump did this sort of thing, you know, again, the coverage, this is an embarrassment to the United States of America. This guy can't even read from a teleprompter. Do we even know he knows how to read English? Probably interview his second grade elementary school teacher who will tell us she wasn't sure if Trump ever fully learned how to read, which would, of course, lead to panels with 47 people on CNN telling us that we may, for the first time in American history, have a president that can't read, and you know how this game is played. But Biden does it. They don't even acknowledge it. They don't highlight it. It doesn't become an issue in the minds of the average person. That's why people on talk radio talk about these things oftentimes, because people do, just for the sake of comparative, uh, I guess, equality in the way that politicians are, uh, I guess, either endorsed in the media or, well, they shouldn't be endorsed, but covered by the media, for the sake of fairness, justice, and, and just general equality in that sense, we ought to be able to talk about these things both ways. And Biden is a, is a train wreck, 43% approval. Afghanistan, taxes, his ideas, his policies. People say, wait a minute, we didn't vote for this. In fact, we don't know anything about this guy. He was hanging out in his basement during the campaign. Now he won't answer questions. He's telling us, he's telling us during uh, press conferences, I'm not supposed to take questions. He's got a list of reporters he's going to call on in the order that they're going to be you know, called upon to, to ask him a question. For all we know, these questions are pre-approved. I put none of this stuff by them. Then on top of that, we got Jen Psaki out there, who I think may be in the running for worst press secretary ever. And it's understandable because she's being the press secretary of a guy that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a dumpster fire. None of these things happened in the Trump administration. This, this is not the way that it was, it was run, and I want to talk specifically about the southern border here and compare and contrast because what we're seeing is a direct result, a direct result of policies being changed, statements being made by the administration, whether they be Biden, Kamala, Jen Psaki, someone else in the administration, the media's interpretation, just what people think in general, it has pushed this immigration crisis to a complete boiling point. This is this is disastrous. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about question, a couple of questions Jen Psaki was asked recently. And look at her stupid answers, ridiculous answers, go through that. But I want to compare and contrast the policies because you can trace this immigration crisis directly to the perception of what it means when Biden's president, um, the policies that have changed, and how things are being handled differently along our southern border, and all these things directly led to this crisis. The responsibility for this mess is firmly on their hands. They're not going to admit that it's a crisis, but we've got a mayor down there saying that it is a crisis. He's a Democrat mayor, and he's saying, when are you going to come down here? When are we going to fix this crisis, fix this problem? He's barking up the wrong tree here because there's no political will to do that because this only hurts them politically, and they know it. I've got to take a break. Continue this discussion. When we get back, sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute.
friends. By the way, I want to get, we'll pick up on this immigration thing, but this Project Veritas, who does some really good work exposing, not the media doesn't care, the media represents what, what they do, the media lies about them, but they've got this uh, FDA, FDA official, an economist there named Taylor Lee on, on videotape now saying, quote, go to the unvaccinated and blow it, referring to the COVID vaccine, into them. Blow dart it into them. Census goes door to door if you don't respond. So we have the infrastructure to do it. I mean, it'll cost a ton of money. Of course, the left doesn't care about that. But he continues to say, but I think at that point, I think there needs to be a registry of people who aren't vaccinated. Although that's sounding very much like Nazi Germany. Even he realizes it. He continues, Nazi Germany, I mean, think about it, like the Jewish star. So he's literally, we have people, now, we've suspected this for some time. I mean, this is not, it's just to hear it, and I don't have the sound bites queued up here. Um, but that is, that's what they're calling for, actively, openly. Well, openly amongst people, they're not, they're not doing it from the, the microphone yet, yet. But they're literally saying, yeah, like the Jewish star. Just like they did in Nazi Germany. And the people cr- people who have been complaining about this for some time, they'll be accused of crying about it, making a big mountain out of a molehill. Now they're literally at the FDA. At least some officials are using the same language, the same rhetoric. But let's go back to this issue of illegal immigration. Yesterday, Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki, in my estimation, the worst uh, press secretary of all time. He asked Jen Psaki about whether or not Joe Biden has ever been in his entire life <laughs> to the border. Because he doesn't go there now. Has he ever been? Was he there when he was six? Did he take a field trip down there? Um, in his half century in government... Has he ever gone down there? This has been a problem for a long, long time. In fact, we had, when Reagan was president, a supposed compromise to give a pathway to citizenship to a lot of individuals in return to uh, secure the border. That, of course, never happened, and here we are today, and they're wanting to do the same thing all over again. But I want you to hear this exchange between Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki. And it's, again, indicative of just how ridiculous this administration is and how much they refuse. They refuse to give, uh, to, to even acknowledge this as a crisis, even as a minor problem. I mean, it's just, it's not openly discussed as, as that. They're not going to be caught dead down there, especially when you've got a, another Democrat mayor who may, for all we know, wag his finger in Biden's face, just like the Governor of Arizona, drawing a blank on her name, did when Biden, excuse me, when when Obama came to her state. Same issue, right? Same issue back 10 years ago, roughly. Here's Ducey talking to Jen Psaki about Biden having ever visited the southern border. Has President Biden ever been to the southern border? 
in his life. Yes. I will have to get look back in my history books and check the times he's been to the southern border. We have been looking all morning, and we cannot find any record of him visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. Why would that be? I can check and see when the last time or when he may have been. But, But tell me more about why you're asking. Because this is a president who makes a point when there are disasters in this country, like a wildfire or a hurricane, to go and see for himself firsthand what the needs are of the local community so that he can have an informed POV to make policy. Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he go down to Del Rio, Texas and see what's going on? Well, first of all, Peter, I think the situation at the border is the result of a broken system. And the president certainly relies on his experience. Who's so in charge of the whether system? it was the work he did to address root causes as vice president, oh, his sake. efforts when he was in the Senate to support comprehensive immigration reform, a steps yeah. that at a time were done, being done and worked toward in a bipartisan way, something that uh, uh, certainly we think should be the, the case today. Mm-hmm. He uses all of his experiences to inform how he governs, how he approaches challenges. And certainly he looks again at the last four years and the, the separation of children who are ripped from the arms of their parents as a way he does not want to proceed. So all of his experiences and his time in office, whether vice president or Senate, uh, inform his approach to issues. Oh, well, has he pres- didn't, didn't really ask that. He asked, has he ever been to the southern border? And by the way, there's a rule. There's a rule in, in well, in court amongst attorneys. Never ask a question that you don't know the answer that you're going to get that you don't know the answer to. And she kind of made this mistake here. She said, I, you know, I need to ask you to clarify why it is you're asking if he's ever been to the southern border. And Ducey, very well done. Now, he's a reporter. He, should, he shouldn't have to be doing this stuff, right? Of course, in a perfect world. Of course, we're dealing with people who are professional deceivers, the rest of the media, and professional deceivers in this administration, right? I mean, from... The lies they've told us about Afghanistan. Now Biden said that we've turned the page on that as Americans are still stuck there. This is another, uh, this is a, a different iteration of the very same thing we had in Benghazi. This is a repeat. Anything to save their political bottoms, backsides, they're prepared to do. Even if it means abandoning Americans, even if it means leaving them to fend for themselves as, as they did in Benghazi, also as they did in, in Afghanistan. So, But they, they refuse to acknowledge truth. They refuse to acknowledge anything. So she asked this question of, of Ducey, why are you asking me this? Well, you know what, Jen, I've noticed that Biden makes it a point everywhere to basically go on photo ops uh, when there's a problem. When there's a problem... Uh, and there's something that he can, of course, blame it on someone else, or he has the solution for to go down into campaign for whatever radical agenda item he wants to see passed or uh, implemented. He's all about taking photo ops, or in the case of a hurricane, when you can go and just sympathize and empathize with people. Right? These are these are things that um, there's there's. I'm just telling you how politicians look at this. Here's a chance for me to go and be human. And connect with people and not have to, you know, uh, really on that trip, I'm not going to have as many negative or tough questions because I'm down there to just kind of be human to the people of our of our country. And again, I'm not saying the president shouldn't do this. I'm just telling you how they look at this. Everything is about optics. Everything. It's how they can use it. It's how it looks. 
What's real doesn't matter. All that's real to them is staying in power. All that's real to them is accumulating uh, power and control and authority, somehow cementing themselves and their, uh, well, their buddies, the other insiders in Washington, D.C., so as to push this country further and further into their radical, morally depraved worldview where government solves all problems. But he says, why doesn't he go and do this? There's a problem. When there's a problem, he should go down there, as he does everything else, to see it for himself, to hear from the ground or from you know, from the local community what's going on. We've already The mayor's down here calling this a crisis. The mayor's down here asking, where's Kamala? Where's Joe Biden? Right? It's like a game of where's Waldo down there. They're nowhere near the border. If you've got a map and it's got little pictures, little cartoon characters of Biden and Kamala, if you're trying to find them over a picture of the United States, don't look along the southern border because they ain't there. They're not there. They're probably somewhere in some liberal city, probably in Washington, D.C. In the case of Kamala, she's over where? Now in Southeast Asia? I don't even... It's not near the border is the point. It's as far from the border as they can possibly get away with. But Ducey's right. If the guy cares about this and wants to figure out what's going on and what he can do about it, why doesn't he go down there? Has he ever gone down there his whole life? This has been a crisis in some way, shape, manner, or form my entire life. I mean, really, it really has. You figure the guy's been in politics my entire life. Why hasn't he gone down there at least once? It's because it would have, would have not been politically advantageous to do so. That's the answer. And if Jen Psaki was honest, <laughs> I think that would be her response. Of course, she's never going to say it, but that is the truth. Got to take a break. Long in this segment, quick timeout. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, program brought to you by our friends at Spur of the Moment Creations. SpuroftheMomentCreations.com is the website. Handmade, homemade, hand-poured candles, I should say. And melts made here locally, actually in Fishers, Indiana. Check them out, SpuroftheMomentCreations.com. So... It's lie after lie, deception after deception along the southern border. In fact, I'm going to play this quickly. i got to get to break as well because I've just um, I've gotten this off track as I'm prone to do here in the second half of the first hour. Um, but do see, this was from a couple of days ago. You've heard this probably. I intended to talk about this, but there were other things I wanted to get to. But Ducey's asking about why people walking across the border don't have to have a negative COVID test or vaccines or what have you. But if you fly into the country, you do. Here's this exchange. And, of course, Jen Psaki's answer is absolutely priceless. Here it is. We're walking into Del Rio, Texas, and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. Well, first of all, I can re- re- I can readdress for you or re talk you through what steps the, we that take. That is the policy for people who fly into the country. Mm-hmm. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? 
Well, let me explain to you again, no. Peter, how, how our that process answer? works. No. So as individuals, as individuals come across the border, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. The that is our process. That's the They're intention. not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's but the same here. thing. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. Just passing through to grab the T-shirt. You come up from. Central America through Mexico just to spend a weekend in the United States and head back home? Is that how we're supposed to believe this? What is this? This is completely ridiculous and asinine. They're not intending to stay here for a long time. You have to, if you fly, you've got to have a negative COVID test or proof of vaccination. But if you walk, you don't. Is that the case? She gets all arrogant and condescending. This, by the way, is how the radical left is because they can't debate you on terms... Um, you know, on, on the actual ideas and the consistency of their brain dead policies, as the case is, is with, the, with this COVID stuff. But anyway, she can't do that, so she's got to call you stupid. Peter, do I have to walk you through it again? Peter, they're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. Are you kidding me? We, we literally, we literally have people who come here. To have babies in many cases because of the interpretation that says that anyone born here, even if the parents are not from here, that's a U.S. citizen. You think they want to be born here and be considered a U.S. citizen just so they can head back south? This is absurd, the kind of stuff that we're told by Jen Psaki each and every day. Anything to avoid the truth. The truth sends these folks running to the hills. They don't want to deal with it. They want to hide from it. And folks, what we try to do here each and every day is help people hear and receive truth. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but I am saying this. When truth is revealed, when we understand and, and, and get a glimpse of truth, we better hang on to it for dear life. These folks see truth, and if it contradicts, as it almost always does, their ideas and worldview, they run from the, the hills. They hide from it. They ignore it. They mock it. They can't, they can't compete against truth, so they have to discredit it. And that's what she's doing. And I've got to take a break. Sit tight. Back here in, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. I told you earlier that we would look at the reasons why, the reasons why the southern border is a disaster. I'm looking here at an NPR, NPR, NPR article uh, from about a little over two years ago. This is how they start the article. Headline, first of all, how Mexico beefs up immigration uh, enforcement to meet Trump's terms. So what was happening, and I know people, not you, but the general population, they don't pay attention. They trust the media They have a 0.2-second memory as it pertains to events, politics, current events, and so forth. But the reason Mexico changed what they were doing was precisely what this article says, and that's to meet Trump's, basically, demands. This is what it says. Under pressure from President Trump's tariffs threat, Mexico reached a deal with the United States on June 7th, again, this was 2019, to step up immigration enforcement and and to take in more migrants waiting for their U.S. asylum hearing. So two things. One, 
we had this policy, or we, we basically Trump demanded, that the Mexican government um, patrol its southern border, which, by the way, is significantly smaller and more manageable than the U.S. southern border. So you patrol your southern border, and you keep people from migrating through your nation en route to the United States of America. That had an impact. Another one was the Remain in Mexico policy. If you were stopped here seeking asylum, you went back to Mexico in order to await your hearing. Those things are done away with. Those things are done away with. Of course, the media would chat would have you, and, and specifically Biden. Here's headline, uh, CNN. This is earlier this year. June of 2021, it says this. It says Biden administration formally ends remain in Mexico policy after suspending it earlier this year. So they, under the leadership of Biden through Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Homeland Security Secretary, they decided to at first uh, suspend the remain in Mexico policy. Second, to do away with it. And surprisingly, that was about what? With June, July, August. So about four months ago. Shocking how these things all actually have an impact. And if you listen to the folks coming to the southern border, many of them will tell you the reason that they are here is because they believe that Biden would let them in easier. This is what they are saying. So between what the administration says, how they attacked Trump for enforcing the border between the changes in policy and between the general theory, I guess, of the radical left that open borders are a good thing, even though they don't openly talk about these things, it's created this storm. That is what's factored in here. This is 100%, 100% on their hands. And, of course, now we're doing catch and release. Catch someone crossing the border, tell them to appear in court in 60 days, let them free in the U.S. and hope they come back. Of course, the vast majority of those folks don't come back, and then we have illegal aliens running around this country with no uh, with no recourse, really. Nothing else we can do. How are we going to track them down? Got to take a break. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. I just want to, again, tell you that Jen Psaki has admitted, and as has uh, Secretary Mayorkas, they have no idea how many of these folks they've released into the United States. They have no idea on numbers. Jen Psaki, of course, is going to circle back on that. The FAA uh, reduced or made it harder for drones to be flown by the media to take pictures of these things. I mean, this is... Everything that you can imagine is wrong with this scenario. All the responsibility of Biden. I've got to go STG. Take care.